Hey, podcast fam, back again with another episode. It's your girl, Lady T, and I have today my two besties. Lady Glow here. Hey, everybody. And Man Bear. All right, all right, all right. So today we are going to be talking about Mephibosheth from 2 Samuel chapter 9. And before we get into it, let's open up with prayer. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for being who you are, oh God. We thank you for always having our backs, Lord God, in the midst of any type of storm, Lord. You're always there, Lord. And we know, God, that you are with us right now, Lord. We ask that you, Lord God, would speak through us and that your words and your the things that you want the listeners to be able to partake and intake in them, Lord God, that they'll be able to hear it clearly, Lord. Use us as a mouthpiece, Lord God, for your glory as we go forth and talk about your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Mephibosheth is an interesting story and it's found in 2 Samuel 9, but there's also some little parts that are in 2 Samuel 4, 4 that kind of gives us a background and pretty much through all, all of Samuel, the both Samuels, you'll get a little bit of background leading up to the story of Mephibosheth. And I got to tell you guys, I love these two books in the Bible because it is the most like Game of Thrones, but we will start with this boy's story. So Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan, who was the son of Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel, and he started out as a good king. But after a while, he got through some jealousy and started becoming a little bit self-centered and prideful, and he acted kind of badly towards the end of his life. He had a young people named David, who we know slew the giant Goliath. And he was supposed to be, he was anointed to be the next king. Saul didn't really like that. So David and Saul, they were enemies. And this is Mephibosheth's grandfather that was enemies with David. But Saul's son, Jonathan, was David's best friends. They had a great love for each other. Well, Saul and Jonathan, they died at war with the Philistines, which is really sad. And when word got back home about their death, Mephibosheth's nurse got scared, picked him up and tried to flee. But when she was trying to flee, she accidentally dropped him and he became lame in both feet. So after that, poor little Mephibosheth couldn't walk again. And he was pretty much known as the boy who was lame in both feet instead of a prince, which is what he was. So anyway, David eventually became king after a long battle between the family of Saul and him on who was going to be the next king. David finally became king and he was very successful. He was a great king. He defeated all the Philistines. He defeated the Moabites, the Edomites, all kinds of ites. And he made sure his people were taken care of. And he was just very accomplished. So after he did all these accomplishments, 
he went to one of Saul's old servants named Ziba and he asked him, are any of Saul's descendants still alive so I can show them God's kindness? And Ziba answered, Jonathan's son is at Makar's house. He is the he is he is lame and he's hiding out there. So David sent for him. And when Mephibosheth came to see David, he bowed down to honor him. And David said Mephibosheth and Mephibosheth was like, I'm at your service. David was like, don't be afraid because I was, I was friends with your father and I want to sow into your life. I want to give you back the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And I promise you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth responded, why would you do that for me? I'm nothing but a dead dog. Of course, David didn't listen to that because he knew he was worth more than being a dead dog. And he hired Ziba and his whole family. Now, Ziba had a big family, okay? Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. That's a lot of people. But he hired, David hired Ziba and his whole family to tend the land that was given back to Mephibosheth. And David treated Mephibosheth like he was one of his own. He had him sitting at the table with all the princes and Mephibosheth grew up and he had a son of his own and he named that son Micah. And that is the end of the story of Mephibosheth. Ladies, what do you think? Well, I think it was beautiful that David honored Jonathan's legacy with Mephibosheth. <laughs> yes, him. Um, he honored his legacy and didn't treat him as though he was a dead dog because unfortunately the poor child believed that that's all he was worth because of the fact that he was lame in both feet. But this goes to show right is right, wrong is wrong. And, you know, regardless of the circumstances of Saul not liking David and all of that, he wanted to honor and do what was right. And he definitely did this, which is wonderful and it speaks to David's character even though you know David's regular folks and he did some not so great things but he did nonetheless <laughs> yeah, he sure did but nonetheless right is right wrong is wrong and he did what was right and that part is what I really enjoy about him and what he did for my main man 50 grand Mr. M that's what I'm gonna call him because I'm I'm just gonna keep butchering the poor child's name and that's not right considering but um, I thought that was beautiful that regardless, he honored him and he he basically sold into everything. He had the land taken care of intended to and he was able to grow up and be a better person than whatever fate he might have been led to prior to David sending for him and letting the legacy of his dad live or through him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with everything that you Mabria said also I wanted to add that um, I enjoyed the part where it was talking about the location where she he was based at of. Mm-hmm. Um, that location basically uh, Lodabar is considered a place of basically nothing and um, that's where he was located and even when David wanted to, you know, bless him. 
he was basically still down in himself. Why? Because he was lame, right? And he kept saying, you know, he's worse than like a dead dog. I mean, just picture that in your mind, not even a live dog. He's saying a dead dog. Like, why would you want to even bless me? So he really looked at himself um, in a bad way, even though, you know, him becoming lame was not his fault. Mm-hmm. He still, you know, inhabited that 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 self-image that he was worthless because he was lame, you know, wasn't anything of his fault. But um, I also love the part where David, you know, even when they were, um, the servants were commanded to bring basically all the the harvest to him. You know, he he didn't need any food, obviously, when they're doing that. But he still was able to eat at the king's table. So think about it. It's like you being rich and you still still being blessed, you know what I mean? Like having extra on top of extra. So he was truly blessed by David. And I do love the fact that David honored Jonathan, even with the bad blood with Saul. He still loved um, Jonathan so much that he wanted to, you know, look past even someone that was not so kind to him to still show the love of Christ because he wanted to show the love of um, of God to Amosibethus. Um, so that's all I wanted to add. Yeah, you made a good point. And there is another quote in the Bible where it talks about how love covers a multitude of sin. And I think mm-hmm. the story displays that perfectly where the love that David had for Jonathan covered everything mm-hmm. that Saul tried to do to him. I mean, Saul tried to kill him multiple times, mm-hmm. but despite that, David had a love for um, for Jonathan. And in the end, that love root out over all that stuff. So I think that is a great point. And I think that the point that you're making about uh, the person Mephibosheth being lame in both feet is big because one thing I noticed about the story when you actually read it, everywhere in the story where they mention Mephibosheth, they mentioned him as the lame son, the lame mm-hmm. person. He was mm-hmm. lame. He was lame. He was lame. Like everywhere, like mm-hmm. they were labeling this boy mm-hmm. by his illness, by his um, disability, by <laughs> his disability. Yeah. And we mm-hmm. all have disabilities. And a lot of times we get labeled we get labeled as a whole we get labeled Mm -hmm. as you know the broke person the drug addict the ex-drug addict uh whatever we get labeled as all kinds of things like when people see your scars they tend to label you oh that's that you know whatever girl that's that anorexic girl that's that depressed girl that's whatever and um and and sometimes we get labeled so much that we tend to uh, make that Mm -hmm. our that becomes our identity that's who mm-hmm. we that's what we mm-hmm. think of ourselves just like yes. Mephibosheth when he was like oh I'm just a, I'm I'm worthless you know I'm a dead dog mm-hmm. dead dogs of right. course were worthless so he mm-hmm. saw himself as worthless because everybody else was calling him lame like right, <laughs> so, right, he, right. so it only takes before so much of someone calling you something before you you know Start it, believing, it becomes your right? identity mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and I wouldn't yeah, oh, go I'm ahead. sorry. Go ahead. I go just ahead. wanted to say I wanted to add in how poor Mephibosheth 
Mr. M. <laughs> Mr. M. He he actually um I wanted to see how y'all felt about the fact that he prostrated himself. Yeah. In fact, he fell on his face and prostrated himself to David. And that right there, I mean, it, you could take it as, as a couple of ways, I think, in terms of, mm-hmm. of course, respect because of who David was. But then also it feeds into me what you were saying, Sister Glow, about the poor baby's identity being just thrown in as he's the lame boy. So he's, you know, given respect to David, but then he's also like begging for mercy that he doesn't hurt him or kill him or do anything to him because he's the lame boy. He's nothing. I mean, he he himself said he's dead as a dog. So that hurts my heart just to even think about that. And it, it makes me sad that yes, there are things in life that we do that define us, but what is a flaw or a disability or you know a hindrance a disadvantage. In yes, yep, that should not that should that should not be a part of our identity and make people think that that's all we're worth. Not right. not at all. Especially with right. Mr. Mr. M was greater than that. Yeah, right. he might have had two feet that didn't work, but he's still great. And right. as we saw, and, David saw that too, and he got that. Right. And you know, um, we're prostrating to me also. I, I I see what you're saying also, Mayor Bear. Prostrate, like when we pray, we go into a posture of prostrating. And to me, it's like humbling or bowing down. I mean, it is bowing down, but it's basically like you're you're letting go and surrendering in a nutshell to me. So that's how I see also as prostrating. Yep. Like you're in a posture to receive a blessing. You're in a posture to, you know, receive what God has for you. So it's kind of like he became humble when he saw David or he, I don't know if he felt like he possibly, there was something that David had for him, whether good or bad. (laughs) But it's a, it's a, way to say I'm open to receive. Yes. Right. Well, David was king, so he had the ability and traditionally it happened a lot where he would kill off, he could and would Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. kill off the entire family of the preceding king because any of those family members could stop and say, no, I'm supposed to be king. I'm the grandson of Saul. I should be the next king. So traditionally, a lot of times the kings back then would just kill them all off so that he wouldn't have any rivals in the future. So it could have been that Mephibosheth was afraid. It could have been that he was hoping for a blessing or hoping even just to be able to live. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or that or that, right, he, right. Um, or that he was self-conscious and felt worthless because people have been calling him worthless all his life. It was probably a mixture of all those things. But it does, like you alluded to, Lady T, it's symbolic of like how we are with God because God could take us out of this earth quick, just with a blink of an eye, Mm -hmm. not even, he could take us out. And we humble ourselves in acknowledging that God is king, that we serve him, that we are nothing without Mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of that 
posturing, like you were saying, like when we bow down to God, that's what we're doing. We're acknowledging that he is king and we are his servants and that there is that we are really nothing without. We wouldn't have what we have without him. We wouldn't be where we are. We wouldn't be alive without him. And just acknowledging right. that about God is uh, humbling, but in a great in a great way because God loves us. And so even though we're humbling ourselves, it's, it's like a husband to a wife. Like you follow someone who, you know, you trust and that you love and you're only following them because you trust that they're going to love you and treat you with respect and dignity and not purposely lead you astray. So we do the same thing with God. Like we humble ourselves because we are acknowledging his love for us. And that he, that even though we're saying, yes, we're your servants, that he's not going to harm us or lead us astray. So it's very symbolic, I think, of um, David, like David and Mephibosheth's relationship is very symbolic of our relationship with God. Amen. And I just want to say, Mr. M is the real MVP, because regardless of whichever way he was taking it, he was open to taking whatever was coming. Mm -hmm. He was very brave. Because <laughs> he could have ran away, you know what I'm saying? Well, not really, but well, no. right, he would have been brought regardless. <laughs> not literally. He could have hid. He could have had, you know, the people in the place where he was staying hide him or whatever. Because could you imagine, like back then, you know that kings would kill off all the family members, and you are the last family. He was the last family. He's the only person who could have challenged. Uh, David to the throne man I'm pretty sure well I guess he was brave because he went there but I don't know if I would have went <laughs> I feel like hide me something <laughs> yeah and I like the way that David like you know assured him not to fear yes that you know he was there to show him kindness which is something that he probably does not get a lot from you know people around him Right. Um, but I just like the fact that he reassured him and not, you know, just let him kind of figure try to figure it out. Yeah. Right. Well, I do find it interesting that literally the last sentence in this chapter was he was lame in both feet. <laughs> I'm like, goodness, he is already sitting at the king's table and you still calling him lame in both feet is it just reminded me of like when we go to the kingdom and we are, you know, kingdom members, but people still label us as whatever we were in the past, you know? Oh, she's still a thought, yeah. even though she's, you know, <laughs> she a church girl now? What? No, she's still the thought that I remembered or she's still the whatever that I remembered. And I feel like we have to be strong. And even though they, they call us those names, we got to not answer to it. That's not us anymore. We got a new identity. He went from being a prince to being a lame kid to now being at seated at the king's table and you're still trying to call him lame. Mm -mm. Well, I see <laughs> that in a different way, though. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was referencing to us, the readers, mm -hmm. to realize that even though he is lame, he is still continuously sitting at the king's table. Like, you know how the Bible talk about, you know, Rahab the prostitute. I mean, they use these, um, what people or the world labeled them to tell us, look, even though this person may have this issue or had this issue, they're still God's children and they're still blessed and they're still able to be in the presence of the Lord, even with their disability or even with their 
their issues. So I think it's just a reference. I saw it as a reference, like, mm. even though he's lame, he's still, you know. Yep. He's still seated, blessed. Seated at the table. Yeah, he's still blessed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like it. That's great. Yeah. That's a that's a good way to look at it, Lady T, because I was looking at it like, dang, they can't let this man live. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, can y'all just, you know, if we understand his feet don't work. I mean, David, we got it. David, <laughs> yeah, David, David, David tied two, David tied two lamb to his feet. His feet are okay. Mm-hmm. The lamb, the lambs work. He got four feet now. <laughs> so eight feet. He got eight feet now. Yeah, right. stop it. Yeah, I think it was um awesome that even though he was lame in both feet, it ended with he still had a son. So a lot of people that. A lot of people, they become, you know, lame. They they get disadvantaged. They have an obstacle come up in their lives and their goals or whatever. Something happens in their life. Something happens in all of our lives. We all have flaws. We all make mistakes. We all have disadvantages, every single one of us. But some people let those disadvantages stop them. And then they just do nothing. They're just like, well, I'm just going to be lame. And I'm just going to live with my lameness. And I'm going to dwell in it. And I'm not going to do anything with my life. But other people, like Mafeba Chef, they're like, yeah, I'm lame, but I'm still going to live my life. And he mm-hmm. had his kid and, you know, I'm pretty sure he was married to whoever he had his kid with. It doesn't say it in there, but I'm pretty sure. So he, you know, met someone, got married, had kids together, became a father of his own. Like he still prospered even with his with his disadvantage or with his flaws or with his mistakes. And I think that that's definitely some a lesson that we can learn from Mephibosheth is don't let those don't don't let what has happened to you become your whole life and be what stops you from still living your life I like mm-hmm. that that was a word <laughs> people in the back girl <laughs> we could we could apply that to today's world oh yeah mm-hmm. absolutely now I'm saying we could apply to you know with um parents with you know children who have disabilities mm-hmm. and how we have to keep encouraging them that they cannot accept what the world thinks that they they can't amount to this or because of their disability. You're not what you're labeled as. You know, God mm. has God used so many people in the Bible with disability. Most of the prophets had disability disability. Mm-hmm. So we have to get into the mindset to speak life into our kids whenever they are so-called labeled into this world with disability or with uh, a label that we're not, you know, we know that they're not that of. So we have to get into that kind of mindset, even though they see you in this world as so-and-so, your father in heaven has called you to be this. So we have to speak life into our kids, even though, you know, they may be labeled, they're not that, they're not that at all. And I think it start with the parents mm-hmm. that we have to also believe that our children are more than what they're labeled in order to encourage them to be able to accept that they're more than what they're labeled. I completely agree. Completely agree. And that's another thing, thinking about the nurse in the story, Mephibosheth's nurse. <laughs> And that, you know, when he was young, she let him Mm -hmm. down. So she was the person who was supposed to be taking care of him. 
And in her fear and in her, you know, fleeing and running, she let him down. And that is what scarred him for life. That is what caused the disability that he has. And I can speak on both, you know, the nurse from being a parent, you know, parents, we do not have it all together. We make mistakes. You know, sometimes those mistakes are because we are afraid and we're afraid and we're trying to, you know, we might be trying to protect you, but we make a a mistake in the process of it. And for the children, you know, even just, I would say, just know parents are humans and they make mistakes. And, you know, even when they're trying their best, sometimes it might scar you, you know, what we do um, as parents. And, um, you know, sometimes you got to get over that type of hurt too, that family type of hurt when you're, when it's your parent who has scarred you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I kind of feel like that's probably the worst type of hurt when it's your parent. And it's probably even worse. Mephibosheth's nurse didn't do it on purpose, but some parents do it on purpose. And I think that's probably the worst type of hurt and the worst kind of disability for someone who's growing up. But just like Mephibosheth, you got to, you know, live with the thorns that are in your side. You got to learn how to live because sometimes they're not going to go away. Mephibosheth was disabled through this from the age when he was about five. He was probably about five when he got injured all the way up until he died he still he could have prayed all he wanted for his legs to get better but they weren't and so sometimes we have scars that we have to live with and we just have to learn how to live with it and Mephibosheth is a great example because back then they did not have you know rights for disabled people if you were disabled you was like on your own buddy I'm sorry like there wasn't no handicap ramps or Nothing like that. There wasn't any of these acts that protect the disabled. Nope. You was just out on your own. So for him to be out on his own and still get by and still be able to have a fulfilling life. I mean, I feel like that should inspire us to do the same, despite what has all the scars that we have from our past. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's the fear. Fear drives us to do a lot of things that God has not called us to do. Mm-hmm. And at that moment with the nurse, you know, with her fear, she felt as if she needed to protect him. Mm-hmm. So she did what she humanly possibly think that was right. But even though he had, you know, those consequences was seen as him becoming lame, he was still in the end blessed regardless of someone else's fear that reacted upon and you know, caused him to have that, that lameness on him. Yeah. She was acting in her flesh and that led to this, uh, this, this physical handicap. Yeah, She was acting out of her flesh. Right. And did not hear from God to move with him. So, you know, she was doing the best that she could try to protect him. But Mm -hmm. that's usually when we don't hear from God, there's consequence of our actions. And Mm -hmm. that was the consequence that, you know, unfortunately, he had to bear that consequence. But in the end, God worked everything together for the good and he was still blessed in the end. So. Amen. And I just thought of this, too, while you were saying that part. Mephibosheth, we talk a lot about how generational curses and how you can see that the sons do the same mistake as the parents well in this case maybe Mephibosheth learned what not to do 
And so when he got called to go see the king, he decided not to flee like the mistakes that his his nurse made, that his caretaker made. <laughs> he decided not to flee and to be brave. So maybe that's a good example of Mephibosheth too, is learn from your parents' mistakes. Like everybody's going to make mistakes. We're all human. But you don't have to make the same mistakes that your parents and your grandparents made. You can learn from their mistakes and never do it, you know? So I think that's a great example of this in the story as well. There's a lot to learn from Mephibosheth, even though he was lame in both feet, as they mentioned over and over and over again in the story. What's your question, Lady T? Do you all think that because you know we we heard about the points about him not running? Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that he may have been aware of David's promise to Jonathan at all? Like, do you think that he mm-hmm. knew that he was going to be blessed and that you know nothing else from David? Mm-hmm. Like, do you think that he may may have known that eventually that was coming? It's- I would I would like to. I, I mean, it's possible, but I would like to think no, being that he was a kid, unless like he overheard something. But mm-hmm. yeah, he was probably or, or he was probably not born him. by the time that happened. Well, he was he was young when his father died, so I doubt that his father told him at such a young age that oh yeah, David David promised that you know. That we, we he watch over my children, so he probably didn't know that. But he could have told somebody else, and, and yep. that person lived on and told someone else. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm just speculating, but I'm just you know, it's, it's possible. possible. A lot of people, a lot of lame folks, they run, they hide. You know, mm-hmm. they they make sure that they're not found, like yeah. you said. So it's it's just I a still, question. I think <laughs> that even if he had heard you know, that he still would have, might have ran ahead because he might have been like, okay, well, maybe this is a trick. Maybe it still would have been a doubt there. Like, okay, well, I'm the last survivor of Saul's uh, house. And, you know, it's customary for the new king to kill off mm-hmm. all the old king members. So maybe this is a trick. Maybe this That's won't right. be, you know, even, even, I think even if he knew he was still brave to do it because, you know, that don't just because he promised it don't mean that it's gonna happen. Yep. <laughs> People mm-hmm. break promises all the time. Yep. So yep. <laughs> especially after Saul tried to kill him over and over again. So you know. Yeah. But I'm just Amen. glad that David's love won out, won out over his, you know, vengeance. Yeah. So another thing that was interesting is the whole seat at the table and obviously it is symbolic of being blessed and being a part of God's kingdom and being one of God's children I also think that it's interesting because when you sit when you sit at a table you don't necessarily see that person's legs and in the case of a fevishep I felt like that was symbolic because it was like hiding his flaws it was covering I shouldn't say hiding I should say covering his flaws so just like with God how he covers us 
and how Jesus's blood covers our sins, I felt like that was symbolic of the table covering Mephibosheth's flaws. Mm. Yeah, because if you think about it, mm. it makes, I mean, we're all sitting there from, you know, the waist up or chest up. So anything that's below that, it can't be seen. And it just makes everyone look pretty much the same. So mm-hmm. that's a nice part for Mishibasath because he could just, you know, get placed in the chair and be all right. Especially if he got the lamb holding up the <laughs> I'm pretty sure they served some spicy lamb at the table. <laughs> no, no, they served the lamb, but he had like two. I'm, t- I'm telling y'all, he had two live <laughs> lambs tied to his feet. My man could go. He had four legs on each foot. Think about it. I'm just saying. It made them equal, you know, like there was no difference between him and the next guy. Mm -hmm. They were all equal. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, there was no label at the king's table. Mm -hmm. You know, you knew you were equal, like you're reigning with the king. You're sharing everything that the the king has. So there's, there's no lame person. There's no you know, person that's labeled, everyone is equal at that site. So, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. I like that. No label at the king's table. Yeah. And I love how David literally says, I want to show him the love of God because that's exactly what yeah. he did. It was <laughs> so beautiful how he just. Well, I mean, he gave him so much land and a seat at the table. And literally, Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem and was sitting at David's table every night. It wasn't even like, okay, yeah, we had dinner together, but I never see you again or talk to you again. I mean, he really showed him some love right there. He gave him servants, all kinds of stuff. That is some serious love showing. And I just think that's great because that's what God does for us that is truly the love of love God has for us he treats us like we're his son never once did David say oh you're that lame boy never once in the whole story everybody else was calling him lame but David never said it and he gave to him he provided for him he fed him he protected him you know so I I he built a relationship Yes. He built a relationship with him, just like how Christ, you know, we build a relationship with God. It's not a one day thing. It's a continuous thing. You yes. can't build a relationship. You can't, you know, meet someone one day and say you have a relationship. It's a continual basis kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it was a relationship. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's just a testament to show that how when you have the love of God sewn into you that you can show that love to others mm. and let people know that through your actions, this is how you're affected with God. So people could see how much David cared for Meshibbeth or Mr. M as I like to call him. Um, and that way they can see how much God will just care for each and every one of us. Mm-hmm. And that's an example for us too. Like we're supposed to, as Christians, treat people with the love of God and just live a life where others be like, oh, wow. Okay. That's cool. She's Christian. Okay. Maybe I should try that Christian thing out. And I think that this is a great example of that to treat each other with kindness 
doesn't mean be gullible and let people walk all over you, but treat people with kindness and with that genuine love that God has for all of us. Mm-hmm. Despite their flaws. <laughs> <laughs> Any other thoughts, ladies? None for me. All right. Well, final thoughts. I was say uh, for me, um, I I would say you know God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. That Miss Sivaset kind of did not run from his fear. You know, mm-hmm. he embraced it and he found blessing in it. So we shouldn't run away from our fear. We should face it because our blessing can be in the midst of that storm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. I would say let love conquer all. And mm-hmm. talking about specifically David and how he chose love over vengeance and pain and hurt. And I think mm-hmm. that we should use this example to love others and to show the love of God in everything that we do. So I'm going to be slightly petty and steal both of (laughs) y'all's last thoughts and say, fear not because God loves us all and love conquers all. And therefore, the love of God can be shown through us through it all. So there you go. And I'm going to give a second closing thought. And that would be whatever your flaws are, you do not have to make that something that halts your growth or halts you from living life to the fullest. You live with, we live with our flaws and we learn to live with them. And that's better than making it stop us from achieving. Yes. And don't be defined by your flaws either. Mm -hmm. Don't let your label get into your head and make you think you're worthless. There are no labels at God's table like Lady T said, Mm because you're not a label. You're loved by God. You're awesome. Yeah. (laughs) All the time. (laughs) All right. So let us close out and come to the Lord in some prayer. Father God, we come to you tonight thankful for this word and all that we have learned through this passage May it be a blessing to all of our listeners, those listening directly, and even those who may indirectly hear of this. Let us go forth and just be safe and blessed throughout this time, especially the holiday time, being that it is a means for all of us in different ways, shapes, and forms. Let us all be held and comforted in any and every way possible and just be safe. And I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen.